You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara in St. Catharines, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestniagara.ca. And so if you have your Bible with you, would you go ahead and open it up to Psalm chapter 78? Uh, That should be easy to find. If you open your Bible in the middle, you're pretty much there. Uh, If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, just go ahead and put your hand up. We've got some ushers coming down. Uh, We'd love to get a copy of God's Word into your hands. We'd love, if you don't have a Bible at home, take that home with you so you can have God's Word, read it with your family, and be in it every day. So Psalm 78 is where we're going to be this morning. And before we jump right into it, let me just kind of let you know what we've got in our hands here this morning. Uh, psalm 78, if you take a look at it, it's, it's a pretty long psalm. It's, it's got you know, a, lot of, a lot of verses in it. Don't worry, we're not going through the whole thing. Only eight verses this morning in Psalm 78. But Psalm 78 is a psalm uh, written by a man named Asaph. Now, Asaph, he was, he was a Levite. He was a singer, um, and he played musical instruments as well, and he also wrote music. And it's likely that Psalm 78 is actually a psalm that was commissioned by King David and commissioned for Asaph to write this psalm to be a song that would be sung with the whole congregation of Israel. And so they would sing it together, and the purpose behind this psalm would be to teach the people of Israel about the past failures the failures of past generations, to teach them about God's faithfulness through all of their failures and to point them not to make the mistakes of the past generation, but to move forward, to love the Lord, and to teach the next upcoming generation how to love and follow the Lord. And so our sermon title this morning, uh, pretty simple, is Raising Up the Next Generation. Raising up the next generation. And as a church, we want to be a church that's really going to pour into our kids and lead them well so that they will be a nation that rises up and proclaims the truth of the gospel and proclaims God's word to those who have not heard. And so I hope that you're with me in Psalm 78 now. We're going to read the first eight verses here together. You can follow along in your own Bible. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from old, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, but tell them to the coming generation, the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. What a word for us today, isn't it? If we look around at the day and age that we live in, man, this is more relevant today than probably any time in the last 500, 600 years, isn't it? As we look around at the world today and we look around at the temptation that is out there for our young people to forget God and to turn away from God, it's, it's honestly overwhelming, isn't it? 
right? We don't, we don't have to look too far. We don't have to be super creative to imagine that. It's pretty clear uh, that the pervasive darkness of our culture is all around us, isn't it? The pervasive culture, uh, the pervasive darkness of our culture is it's seeping into the church in ways, and we can see that, right? But listen, if it's seeping into the church, it's flooding into most of our homes, just to be honest, right? And so today, in each of our homes, Satan has tools that didn't exist in past generations, doesn't he? Right? Okay, we don't, we don't have to explain a lot here, but to say that the internet, okay, is, is Satan's gateway right into your home, and television can also be that as well. And kids today are seeing things, hearing things, growing up with things in their life that generations ago, they had no exposure to whatsoever. And wow, what a, what a relevant passage for us today. And so what we're going to do here is we're, we're going to dig into this this morning a little bit. We're going to go through these eight verses. But just before we do that, I just want to kind of set things up for us a little bit this morning. And uh, this isn't meant to be a depressing message, but sometimes we, we really need to face the facts, don't we? And I'm not crazy about statistics and all up on, on church stats and all these kind of things, but sometimes statistics are helpful for us to realize how critical things actually are. So let me just take a second right now just to share with you a few statistics that have, they've come from a group that's called the Barna Group, and what they do is they, they take very, very accurate studies and surveys to assess the state of the church and how culture is changing and shifting the church. Here's a few things. Some of these statistics, honestly, they blew me away. First one, 85% of professing born-again teens do not believe in the existence of absolute truth. Over 60% of these teens agreed with the statement, nothing can be known for sure except the things you experience in your own life. Approximately 70%, that's 70% of professing Christian teens leave the church by their second year of college. Wow. Something's wrong. Something's seriously wrong in our culture and in the church today. This is kind of a well-known fact. A child's basic moral foundation and their basic ideas about God, about faith, and eternity are formed by the time they are nine years old. Now, that's not to say that things don't shift and things don't change, okay? But the basic understanding of God and morality is formed in a child's life by the time they're nine years old. Wow. And this, this statistic just blew me away, and I'm not even fully sure what to say in response to it, but I think that the rest of this message flows really out of how this statistic has hit my own heart even and challenged me. 85% of parents, and I think this one will be up on the screen, 85% of parents with children under the age of 13 believe that they have a primary role in teaching their children about spiritual matters. However, during a typical week, a majority of parents don't spend any time talking about spiritual matters with their children. Parents generally rely solely on the church for their children's spiritual formation. Wow. And if we were to turn the mirror in today, I think a lot of us would see that that is sometimes true about us, 
And I just want to be incredibly honest with you this morning. Right now, I can tell you that that statistic had been incredibly true about me, that I relied on the church for my child's spiritual formation. And I'm I'm so thankful that the Lord has begun to break that in me and to begin to set a new pattern of pouring into my kids every single day. I'm not perfect. I'm not there yet. Man, let me tell you, family devotionals don't go the way you ever expect them to. You never know what's going to happen. Okay? All right? I'll tell you that later. But man, oh man. Okay? But listen, all that I want to leave you with this morning is simply this. Pour into your kids. Pour into those within your sphere of influence. It's worth it. So let's just do a little test right now, okay? Before we jump right into this message, because probably there's a few of you here that are like, well, I don't have kids, so this message isn't for me. All right, so quick test, okay? I'm going to get you to put your hand up probably at some point, and I want you to keep your hand up when you put it up, all right? Okay, so hand up if you're a parent, okay? So if you're a parent, hand up. Keep it up. Don't put it down, all right? Um, Hand up if you're a grandparent, okay? There's a few more. All right, aunts and uncles, hands up, okay? Okay. Um, uh, have a younger brother or sister hands up. Uh, there we go. Okay. A few more, um, keep them up, keep them up. Okay. And, uh, last one, uh, have ever met a child? <laughs> All right. Okay. Hey, wow. That's everybody. Look at that. All right. Okay. And so, so listen, okay. You can put your hands down now, but listen, um, all hands were up in this room and simply that just to demonstrate that each one of us has a role in raising up the next generation for the glory of God. And so it does not matter whether you are five years old in here or whether you're 75 years old. God has called you to a role of raising up the next generation for his glory. Okay? I just hope we're all on that same page as we go forward here this morning. And I I hope this morning that we won't tune out, that we won't begin to think about other things and say, oh no, that's someone else's job. Listen, it's, it's our job. It's our job together. It's my job. It's your job. Let's dig into the text here now. Psalm 78, verse 1. We're going to move through the first three verses pretty quickly here this morning. So verse 1, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. All right, summary of verse 1 in two words. Listen up. All right, that's all he's saying. Hey, listen up. Okay, listen up because God has something that he wants to say to you. Remember the context to say to all of the people. All right, verses two and three. These verses, they seem a little bit tricky at first. We'll explain them in just a second. Verse two, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter a dark saying from old, the things that we have heard and known, the things that our fathers have told us. All right, and so this kind of seems a little bit strange at first. He, he talks about parables, and he talks about a dark saying, all right? And so a parable, really simply, is a it's, a, it's an earthly, okay? It takes an earthly thing to explain a spiritual truth. You'll remember that Jesus, he spoke in parables all the time, right? And he took earthly things that we would know and see and understand, and he used them to explain a complex spiritual truth. Okay, and so that's what Asaph's going to do here. And now he says this next thing, a, a dark saying. Okay, when, when you hear that, don't, don't think evil, dark. Okay, that's not what he's saying at all. Um, think like a riddle. All right. Okay, um, it could also be translated riddle. Okay, and so he's going to use a riddle or a proverb. And what's the point there? His point is, hey, listen up. Verse one. Okay, verses two and verses three. 
If you don't listen closely and you don't think about this, you're not going to get it. And so his point in the whole rest of the psalm is, this is the history of our nation, folks. Yet we don't understand the spiritual application that God was trying to teach us. And so what's he doing here? He's calling the people to not only listen with their ears, but to listen with their minds and their hearts so that they will discern the application of what is to follow. Okay? So that's, that's where we're at up to verse 3 at that point. Let's move into verse 4. Verse 4. We will not hide them from our children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. All right, here's the first point in this morning's message. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Point number one, coming right out of verse four. I am called to tell the next generation about the Lord. I am called to tell the next generation about the Lord. Do you see that right in verse four? We, collectively, all of us, will not hide them from their children, but tell them to the coming generation, the glorious deeds of the Lord. I want you to notice something here. Notice that in verses 1 through 4, it doesn't mention parents one time, does it? It mentions the whole congregation. It's, it's we will tell them, their children, not my children, okay? Yes, yes, that's included. But not just my children, their children, all of the children. In other words, if you, if you have a heartbeat, okay, and you love the Lord, and you're here this morning, God's got a role for you in ministering to the next generation, in raising up the next generation. He's not called you to sit on the sidelines He's not called you to just kind of say somebody else will do it, okay? He's called you to live out the calling of pouring in to the next generation. And so notice point one, I am called. I am called. You are called. We are called to tell the next generation about the Lord. So maybe you're here this morning and you're like, okay, I get that. I see that. It's right there in the text, but what do I tell them? I mean, like, what do I tell them about the Lord? Any, anyone ever wonder, like, how do I even start this whole conversation about the Lord? And how do I lead my kids in a devotion? Like, where do I, where do I even start? Anybody ever wonder that? You can be honest. It's all right. I've wondered, I've wondered that. Okay. And, and so as I kind of got ready for this message, I found uh, this truth. Um, one guy that I read, uh, he talked about eight reasons why parents don't pour into the spiritual lives of their kids. And at the end, he boiled it all down to one reason, one reason alone. I just don't know where to start. I can't, I can't figure out how to get started in it. And his answer was, just start. Just pick anywhere and just start. It doesn't matter where you start, just start. And the nice thing this morning is that we don't really have to wonder where to get started at all. Because this passage tells us, Okay, it gives us three things right in the passage that we can tell our kids, that we can tell other kids, that we can tell our, our nephews and our nieces, that we can tell the kids in our neighborhood, the kids within our sphere of influence. You want to go through them? Three things, three things. Let's go through them right now, okay? Here's the first thing that we see right out of this passage. We are to tell them about his glorious deeds, we are to tell them about his glorious deeds. I think that'll be up on the screen. There it is. Um, okay, so what are the glorious deeds that he's talking about? What are, what are the glorious deeds that we are to tell children about? 
well, how about some of God's awesome miracles, right? If you keep reading on in this psalm, it, it recounts how God led the people out of Egypt through the wilderness and how he provided every single step along the way. Those are some pretty awesome deeds, aren't they? Okay. Um, bread from heaven. Don't see that every day. Water from a rock. Okay. Don't see that every day. Um, really. And, uh, okay. Quail and meat coming in. Okay. A, a pillar of fire by night, a pillar of cloud protection from their enemies. The Red Sea opened and they go across on dry land. Well, those are pretty glorious deeds, aren't they? Okay. And so, so where do I get started? Where do I get started? Well, and this might sound like a little bit of a shock, but how about the first 20 chapters of Exodus? Kids love that stuff. Like to be honest, right? Okay. You've got, you've got an evil king. Okay. And you've got a guy who is nervous and scared and fearful and says, no, pick anybody else, send anybody else. And God shows up in every chapter and does a miracle. Okay. What's not to love if you're a kid? You're going to be into that, aren't you? Right. And so, so that's a great place to start is with the glorious deeds of the Lord. Well, there's another thing that he gives in the text more than just the glorious deeds. Here's the second thing. We need to tell our kids about his might. We need to tell our kids and the kids that we have contact with about how big, how powerful, how strong God is. A a beautiful passage, the one that comes to mind on this is Isaiah 40. That passage is just incredible. Isaiah 40, it talks about God measuring the waters of the earth in, in the hollow of his hand. And I remember I was preaching on this passage at youth one time and uh, had to figure out how, many, how much water I could hold in the hollow of my hand. And the answer is uh, two and a half tablespoons, okay? But, but God, he holds all of the waters of the earth in the palm of his hand, and it's not a big deal. That's pretty big. That's pretty awesome. It says that he measures the mountains in a scale, that he calls out the stars by name. That's incredible, Right? And so let's, let's tell our kids the mighty works of God, how big he is, how great he is, how powerful he is. We have uh, this song that we had at our vacation Bible school this summer, and it goes, uh, my God is powerful. Okay, that's kind of like the gist of the whole song. Uh, my God is powerful. He stands invincible. And then it keeps going on. And uh, my boys just, they, they love, they love this song. And so when we sit down to do family devotionals, it does not matter what we read about. At some point, one of them is going to be like, oh, kind of like my God is powerful, right? And then they'll start singing it, right? And, and so the other night, I can't remember what we were talking about, but it wasn't even like really a power and glory story and like, at the end of it, Preston, our youngest one, is like, oh, kind of like my God is powerful. And he just bursts into song about how powerful and how great God is, right? And that's, that's an awesome thing. That's a moment that as a parent where you're like, okay, all the craziness that just happened today, all the chaos that just happened today was worth it because of this moment right now, right? And, and so let's tell, let's tell our kids about his might, his glorious deeds There's one more thing that it lists in the text right here. The wonders that he has done. Okay, just think back for a minute. Think back. Bible knowledge quiz right now. Just think back for yourself, okay? Think about all of the wonders that God has done in Scripture. Wow, 
If we, if we started, we would be here all day, wouldn't we? Okay. If we started to recount all of the wonders that the Lord did throughout Scripture, man, we'd be here forever. And so let me just summarize the wonders that he has done with the greatest wonder that he has done. That's the wonder of providing salvation for us in Jesus Christ. And so right here, I believe that there is a call for us to tell our kids about God's salvation that he has provided for us in Jesus Christ. Okay. Now at at the time that this was given, Jesus obviously wasn't, wasn't born yet. Right. Okay. But salvation is the call here. And so now that we are on our side of the cross, we can tell them all about what was accomplished at the cross. When the son of God came from glory, came down to earth, lived as one of us, faced temptation as we face temptation, yet overcame it and was victorious and then gave his life for us on the cross. Isn't that a wonder worth telling your kids about? But listen, hey, don't stop there. Go on to tell them about the resurrection, the fact that on the third day that he rose from the grave, conquering death, conquering sin, and now reigns triumphant. And oh, don't stop there. Tell them that he's coming back again, that he's going to come one day. And that he's going to take everyone who believes in him to be with himself where we will be with him in heaven forever. Listen, that gets me fired up, right? I, I bet if you tell your kids about that, that'll, that'll get you fired up and that'll get them fired up too to want to live for God and want to live for his glory. I'm called, you're called, we're called to tell the next generation about the Lord. But listen, that's not all that this text has to say. There's more here for us. I'm called to tell the next generation about the Lord. But point number two, I am commanded to show the next generation how to live for the Lord. I'm commanded to show the next generation how to live for the Lord. Maybe you're like, you just said that in point one. Okay, it's not exactly the same. We're going to dig into that here, but I want you to see it in the passage. First of all, let's go to verse five. Verse five. He established a testimony in Jacob. Who did? God did. And appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach. That's a really important word. We're going to talk about it in just a second. To their children. Okay, so summary of this verse. God has given his law to us. And we are commanded to teach it to our kids and to the kids within our sphere of influence, maybe even within our neighborhood, maybe kids from just down the street, okay? Maybe it's nieces, maybe it's nephews, maybe it's just kids that you know. Doesn't matter who, we all have a sphere of influence, okay? We are commanded, not just called, but we are commanded to teach it to them. Now, that's an interesting word. Uh, the word teach there in the original language, it, it, I went back and did a little bit of study. I don't, I don't know Hebrew at all. and It's, it's Hebrew to me, okay? Um, no idea, no clue. But there's, there's a book, a lexicon that you can dig into. You can find stuff in it. And when I looked back at this word, what this word really actually means is that we teach them, but we teach them by way of example, Okay, it's a it's a teaching by showing. It's not uh, you sit down in your chair and let me teach you now all the time. It's you watch me live my life and let me tell you about why I live it this way for the Lord. And then you learn from that. And so really the idea here in this verse is simply show and tell. Right. Okay. 
We're, we're going to show and tell our kids how to live for the Lord. And so in our houses, in Harvest Kids, in this church, whenever we meet together, it should be a, a giant show and tell day, really. Okay? Any, any kids out there like show and tell? Yeah, I, I loved show and tell when I was a kid. Um, I, I remember uh, when, when a kid brought moose antlers to class on show and tell day. Like, I was all in for that. That was amazing, right? And he had my attention fully when he told me about it. But listen, every day at our homes should be like show and tell. We should be living in such a way so that our kids will look at us and ask about the truth that we are living out and ask about why we're living this way. And then we should have the opportunity to tell them about how we long to follow the Lord and how we long that they would follow the Lord also. It's teaching by way of example. It's not simply just recounting to them the things that we read and the things that we know, but it's showing them by the way that we live our lives. So maybe you're like, okay, but, but what specifically do I show them? Okay, like there's, there's so much that I could show them. What specifically, what are the specific things that I need to show them? Well, let me just give you a few here. Uh, five things, we're going to bring them up on the screen. Now, these aren't the only things that we need to show our kids, okay? This is not a comprehensive list, okay? But it's kind of five top things as I thought about this, as I studied God's word, and as, as I read up on this, these are five things that we need to teach our kids And so we need to show the next generation how to, these five things right here. First of all, how to love the Lord. How to love and live for the Lord. Okay? You can't just teach that. You need to show that. They need to see it as it marks your life every single day. And so parents in this room, you can't just simply tell them about that. You can't expect that they will learn that down in Harvest Kids. They'll get a little bit of of it there. Okay, On Sunday mornings, they'll get a lot there, but really, if they're not seeing it every day in your life, it's not going to stick. Okay, they, they need to see you love and live for God. Here's the second thing. We need to show them how to trust God. We need to teach them how to trust God in difficult times. How whenever difficulty comes into our lives that we just don't go, oh, oh no, I don't know what to do. But we, we go to prayer and we say, listen, Whatever's going to come my way, my faith is in an infinite sovereign God who loves me and is working all things for my future good. We need to teach them how to believe that and to trust that. Here's the third thing. Pray, worship, read his word together. We need to teach our kids how to pray. If they don't see us modeling prayer in the home and modeling prayer in Harvest Kids and modeling prayer around this church, what are they going to start to think? They're not going to think much of prayer, are they? They're going to think it's kind of an add-on. It's kind of an extra. It's kind of, you know, just something that you, you do that's a spiritual thing, but they're not going to think it's a necessity. So we need to teach them how to pray. We need to teach them how to worship um, so we've kind of started doing this new thing at home recently where we'll put, a, we'll put a song on on a phone and the kids will sing along and we'll sing along. I'm a, I'm a wretched, wretched singer, okay? <laughs> terrible, terrible. And so this was kind of like a, a go out on a limb for me type of thing. But it's great. It's great. The kids love it. We love it. And so we just have a little family worship time that we'll throw that on at the end of our time in God's word. And they love it and they're, they're learning God's truth as we worship together. We also need to teach them how to read his word, not just read it, 
but apply it to life, okay? And how to apply it to specific circumstances. Here's the fourth thing. We need to help them to find answers in God's word. Okay, we do this down in Harvest Kids all the time, and it's, it's great. I love that our volunteers do this. When someone comes and they're struggling with something, the leader will likely know the answer right away, but so often the leaders in Harvest Kids will be, hey, why don't we go to the Bible for that? And they'll open up the Bible, and they'll leaf through some pages, and they'll be like, oh, here's your answer right here. Okay, you're struggling with, with forgiveness. Well, here's what Jesus says. How often should you forgive this person? Every single time. That's what Jesus says, right? And we lead them to God's word. Okay, we need to do that in our homes. We need to do that with the kids that we know. Open God's word, lead them to the answers. Let them see with their own eyes that the truth that we need for life comes from this book and this book alone. Man, that would change our kids' lives, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Absolutely. That would change the next generation. Here's the last thing on the list. We need to teach them how to forgive others and how to resolve conflict. Okay, there, there is a biblical way to resolve conflict. Would you agree? And there is an unbiblical way to resolve conflict. And we need to teach our kids that. And so when, when they get into an argument, when they get into a fight at school, we need to have the conversation when they get home, okay, what would the Lord have wanted you to do in that situation? Okay, what could you possibly do differently? And we need to lead them to places in scripture that talk about that. We need to teach this stuff. We need to model this stuff to our kids. And so that that is super convicting for me, just to be honest, okay? Because I can tell you when conflict arises in my home, whether it's with Bria, my wife, or whether it's with my kids, okay, I have had to learn to keep this tongue behind a closed mouth. Because I want, I want to say something, okay? I want to, I want to show them that I'm right. I want to, you know, this or that, right? No, no, because what I do is what, what I model to them is what they're going to live out. And so to be honest, being a parent or having kids and allowing kids into your inner circle is one of the most sanctifying things in the world. It, it is harder than anything else I can even imagine. But listen, it's worth it. It is totally, totally worth it. We have so many other things that we need to teach our kids. We could go on and on. We need to teach them how to manage finances, how to work hard, how to love their enemies, how to share the gospels. But listen, the point behind all of this is that we need to teach it to them. Okay, Harvest Kids for an hour and a half a week, as much as I love Harvest Kids and think that we've got a fantastic kids ministry, the impact of an hour and a half a week on your child's spiritual formation is very, very little next to insignificant. If they aren't seeing those truths being lived out, if they aren't seeing those truths being acted on in the home, it's not going to stick. It's going to be like water through a strainer. It's going to run right through them. And when they get to adulthood, when they get to those college years, years, guess what? Hey, I see a different lifestyle that looks more attractive to me than what I was told about when I was a kid. I'm going to go in that direction. And so that statistic of of 70% walking away by the second year of college, if we don't teach our kids this stuff, honestly, honestly, we should not be surprised when they go in that direction. And, And listen, I believe with all my heart that God's grace can rescue anyone from anywhere and he can bring them back no matter what. Absolutely with all my heart. But listen, if I'm a parent or if I have kids within my sphere of influence, 
Am I not going to do everything that I possibly can to stop them from going in that place? Can I ultimately change their heart? No. Okay? That's up to the Lord. And I need to pray that God would do that. And I need to yearn in prayer for my kids. And I need to even suffer and anguish in prayer for my kids and for the kids that I know that they would come to follow the Lord. But listen, I can't stand before God with a clear conscience if I haven't led my family to live for his glory. I can't do it. And so even, even search your heart this morning. Search your heart this morning. And just ask yourself the simple question. Is this high on my priority list? Is this at the top? Or is it slipped down? Is it, is it set aside because we don't have time? Honestly, I, it's so hard to hear that. You know, we, we, we really want to read the Bible with our kids, and we really want to do more in their spiritual lives, but we just, we just don't have time. You know, we've got, we've got soccer two nights of the week. We've got uh, baseball one night of the week. Uh, we need to have our family movie night, and we need to on and on and on the list goes, listen. Okay, when we stand before the Lord, how much are any of those things going to matter? Not at all. But the one thing that will matter is what we used our lives for. And so honestly, we may need to set some of those things aside. We may need to set all of them aside so that we can pour into our kids and pour into the next generation to raise them up for his glory. And so I know this is a strong call. I know this is a hard call. It's a hard call for me too, because we have had to set aside tons of things in our family to say, this has got to be the number one priority. Not just right now, but for their whole childhood. We need to pour into them. We need to nurture them and raise them in the admonition of the Lord. We need to pray like crazy for them without ceasing. And we need to take every opportunity to do this. Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 7. You're like, really? Every opportunity? Yeah, really, every opportunity. Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 7. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. When do we talk about it? All the time. When do we teach them? All the time. You can't really get away from it in that passage. In, in other words, that passage is simply saying, hey, no matter how busy you are, no matter how much you have going on, make time to raise your kids for the Lord. Make time. God's given you time. Make time and take the time to raise them for him and for his name. So let me just speak to the parents here just for a second as we get ready to wrap up. Parents, if you're a parent in the room, okay, hands up once more if you're a parent in the room, okay? If you're a parent in the room, God has given you the most important job in the world of raising your children to love the Lord. Okay. Do you believe that? Do you believe that's the most important job in the world? Maybe some of you are like, it's important, but it's not the most important. Okay. Most important. Okay. Most important. According to God's word, I was challenged just this past week by Marco Rubio, who's a Republican presidential candidate. He said this, 
most important job in the world. He said, I believe the most important job I have is the job of a father and of a husband. More important than even the presidency, because I only have a handful of years to teach and instruct my children in the right values. Not just to allow them to succeed in life, but more importantly, also to accept the gift of eternity. Wow. Astronaut Rick Husband, he believed this. He believed it was the most important job that he could possibly had when he said these words. If I end up at the end of my life having been an astronaut, but having sacrificed my family along the way, then I think I would look back on my life with great regret. I realized what it meant that the most, the most, that the most important thing in my life was the way that I would live for God's glory by being a good husband and a good father. Just before Rick launched into space or was to launch into space, he recorded a series of devotionals for his kids, one devotional for each of his children for every day that he would be away. And he sat down with their little devotional book and he read to them from their devotional book and he explained what he was reading and he prayed for them. And on that day when his ship was to launch into space, there was a problem with the launch. And the shuttle that he was on caught fire and blew up in a moment. Rick lost his life that day. You never know. Today could be your last day. Today could be my last day. What are we going to do with it? How disappointed I would be if I poured out my life in the ministry and didn't pour it out for the glory of God and my family. I don't think I could stand before the Lord with a clear conscience on that. So I've been challenged by the example of Rick to say, I got to go all in for my kids today to teach them to know and to love the Lord and to live for the Lord today because I can't wait till tomorrow. I can't wait until next year. I might not have a next year. Here's the last thing that we need to see from this text. Point number three. We've seen already that you have been called to tell the next generation about the Lord. You are commanded to show the next generation how to live for the Lord. And then this, point three, you must be committed to raising passionate disciples. No other way. No matter who you are, no matter where you fall on the spectrum, you must be committed to raising passionate disciples. We see that right here in verses six and seven. That the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Listen, it's not enough to simply give kids a basic moral foundation and send them out in the world. It's not enough. And sadly, most Christian parents, that's, that's all that they aim for. And so they set the bar way down here when God sets the bar way, way, way up there. 
God doesn't want kids that just grow up to be moral kids. God wants kids that grow up to be a generation that loves him with all of their heart, that will serve him, will sacrifice for him, and will live all out for his glory. He wants the next generation to be a generation that will arise, that will rise up and go and tell future generations about his glorious deeds, about his might, about his wonders, and about who he is and how they can know him and have a relationship with him for all of eternity. If we want to see a change in future generations, it starts with leading our families and the children within our sphere of influence today. So let me ask you one more question as we get ready to close. If you don't do it, who will? If you don't do it, who will? If you don't teach your kids to love the Lord, who will? Or even more directly, if you don't teach your kids to love the Lord, the world will teach them not to. Guaranteed. And this is the, war- the warning that we see in verse 8. This is a warning that we've got to listen to. This is a serious warning. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast to the Lord, whose spirit was not faithful to God. If we don't raise the next generation to follow the Lord, who will do it? No one will do it. It's all on us. God doesn't have a backup plan on this one. He's created the family. He's created the church to be the ones that raise up the next generation to love and to follow him. The worship team is going to come forward and they're going to lead us in one more song this morning. And as they do that, I want to invite you to respond this morning. I want to invite you to respond to the Lord by singing this song with all of your heart. But I think before we do that with, with a clear conscience, I, I, I believe that just from what I've sensed, I believe that the Lord's doing some work here in this room today. And so if, if you find yourself and you're thinking, you know what, that is not how I've been leading my family or the kids within my sphere of influence, I just want to say to you right now, there's grace in Jesus Christ today. There is a giant reset button right in front of you that you can just reach out and push, and the Lord, you can start over on this today. Can you make up for the past? No. But listen, there's grace in the Lord to have a new future starting today and to go forward leading your family and the children that you know to the glory of the Lord. And so what I want to invite you to do right now is I want to invite you to bow your heads. And as I, as I pray up here, I want, you, I want to invite you to even confess in your heart, Lord, this has not been the direction of my life and I want it to be. Let's pray. Lord God, I admit I am a weak man. Lord, I fall short in leading my family for your glory so, so, so often. Lord, I elevate so many things before you. I put primary significance on things that are really insignificant. I cherish my time. I cherish my entertainment I cherish my comfort more than I cherish the lives and the souls of my children, God. Lord, I pray this morning that you would forgive me, Lord. That you would cleanse me this morning, Lord. That you would lead me in a brand new direction this morning, God. Lead me in a direction to go all in for your glory and for your name, Lord. 
Lord, lead me, lead us as a church to be a church that raises up for you, Lord, to teach the next generation, to tell the next generation, to show them what it means to live for God. Oh, Lord, would you help us in this? Lord, would you give us grace? We need your grace. We need your help. We need your direction, Lord. Lord, we need you to come and motivate us today and every single day for the rest of these lives. Lord, help us, Lord. Help us to remember that our life on on earth is so short, but eternity is so long. But Lord, also help us to remember that you have come that you are victorious, that you have given your life for us so that we can have life, and that in Jesus Christ, there is grace, there is victory, and there is peace everlasting. Lord, would you remind us this morning of the awesome truth that you have promised to build your church, that you have said in your word, Lord, that the light has shone in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. And Lord, would you remind us this morning of the awesome truth that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Lord, would you lead us now into a new day? Lord, would you lead us into a day of going all in for your glory and for your name? In the name of Jesus, amen. You've been listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. For more information, please visit our website, harvestniagara.ca.